0: Nick Hales the of the Rescue Cluster and Joshua Johnson. i here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build foundation. This is the Dynasty Bowl, presented by the Dynasty People
1: the Dynasty Football Warehouse Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. Uh, with me, as always, is Nick Hales the Redskins. Later,
2: Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. I had a wins in my three main leagues this last week, so looking good, trying to make the playoffs in all three leagues, if things rain the way they are now. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good, too. Um,
1: uh, a couple of leagues are pretty downing. um but uh some some better leagues that I've outweighed that, I hope so uh
0: yeah, doing
1: doing okay, thinking about some mistakes that I've made and maybe not get so overzealous with rookies uh next year, as I try to tell myself every year, but uh, you know, you know how it goes uh got a, got some great things to talk about today. Uh, first, our thoughts on Week 10. it's going to rant. Uh, who should we claim on the waiver wire? Uh got a great dynasty dilemma as we pick Khalil Mack versus Michael Bennett. That is the Seattle defensive end, Michael Bennett. Uh, talked about some trustworthy IDP options for the rest of the season. Some sit or start, dynasty trade analysis, IDP sit or start. Uh, get back to our best numbers. We look at the number 28. Uh, we've been doing a series of that as we started from double zero and we're already up to 28. So we haven't revisited that in probably about a month now. So uh, we just wanted to let Steve At- where, At- Atwater's stew there on the great number 27. Uh, and then we we'll of course, Chuck Padecki will stop and by as we do some ATS picks. Uh, Luke Grilly is going to be stopping by next week as we have a special Tuesday edition. So it right. will be on the same time, just on Tuesday next week due to uh, – my kids being off school on Wednesday, and my household of little children under 12 years old making
0: lots of noise. So,
1: yeah, it should be fun all the way around as we have an earlier podcast and then family fun, and then, of course, Turkey Day on Thursday. Uh, maybe we'll see an undefeated team play on Thanksgiving. I don't know when was the last time that's happened. But, uh, Nick, what did you think about the week 10 that was?
2: Well, we'll start with the uh, New England and New York Giants game. Other than uh, LeGarrette Blount, it's a pretty disappointing day for running back owners. You know, Who's going to replace Deion Lewis as the receiving back for New England? Nobody this week. Boldman James James uh, White, I think, combined for one catch for six yards. blunt two catches for 11 yards. Uh, Vereen had been productive in PPR leagues for the Giants, but then against his former team, only two... Uh, Few catches for 12 yards and another 14 yards on the ground. But luckily for their owners, it was tough weeks for running backs all around in general. I think uh, Adrian Peterson was over 100 yards. Uh, I think the only uh, other back that got around 100 yards was Alfred Morris, and I don't think many owners were still starting him after the tough uh, first half of the season he's had. <laughs> moving on to uh, <laughs> moving on to the Sunday night game, we're out here at the Sunday middle afternoon game. Arizona and Seattle. Uh, it was nice Arizona using Andre Ellington in the complimentary role he can shine in. He just physically can't hold up to being an every-down back. But when you limit him to around 10 touches a game, he makes plays, like his 48-yard touchdown run to seal the win. Uh, on the other side of the ball, he um, got a figure with his one-yard touchdown run inside of the two-minute warning before halftime, I think Will Tukuwafi proved he should have gotten the ball at the end of the Super Bowl last year. Uh, moving away from running back, uh, the Chicago Bears are quietly playing pretty good football. They beat St. Louis Rams 37-13. to uh, Jay Cutler's three touchdowns and zero interceptions versus a pretty good defense If they can beat Denver next week, their schedule looks a lot friendlier than Green Bay's. who seems to be in a bit of a free fall after three straight losses. Uh, And finally, uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger off the bench, 379 yards and three scores. This is a perfect example of why best ball leagues are the best. I mean, his owners, who have held on to him throughout all the injuries, deserve to be rewarded but there's no way you're starting a quarterback in a fantasy league that isn't starting for his team that Sunday. So the majority of his owners got nothing from the great league. Now, full disclosure, yes, I do own Ben in a best ball league, the FW16. And while his points alone were not the margin of victory for me, it did make for a much less stressful Sunday on my behalf.
1: Uh, Yeah, and maybe a little surprise as the games uh, got going as you saw him walk onto the field. So, uh, yeah, that's... Good point there. Um what uh what do you think about your Redskins putting up
3: all of those
1: points? Uh obviously we'll get to more of that in the rant, but uh
3: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> left somebody jobless. Uh but uh yeah, I was pretty uh pretty impressed uh by by that and uh, like you said the bears as well, just rolling up the points. Um and that was against the Rams in St. Louis. Uh, and it sounds like everybody avoided the concrete. So that was uh, somewhat of an impressive day there by both of those teams. That was just that was a couple big shockers for me. Um, the Raiders' search for offensive balance just continued to leave me vexed, frustrated, whatever the metaphor you want. I just was just sick to my stomach watching them get the ball. Down by, you know, 10 points, and they're running on first and second down when you have the best rookie wide receiver of the class by far. I just, oh, I mean, and I know Minnesota's got a good D and a good secondary, but gee, take some chances. It wasn't until, like, you know, six minutes into the fourth quarter that they actually decided to do that. Um, It's been a couple days now since it's been stewing, too, but uh, I. I wanted to address the, uh, since I have a format, I wanted to address the red rifle versus JJ Watt situation. And I've maybe said this before in somewhat of a different context, but don't put a microphone, in a player's face after a loss and then rip him apart for what he's going to say. I mean, what do you think he's going to say? If they win, they're going to talk and say a bunch of cliches. Um, if they lose, they're more than likely going to be over emotional and upset about the loss. Um, you know whether it's a, a BB gun or whatever, whatever, the, whatever the discussion points were there. I just, it, I think it got way too much press, and obviously Andy Dalton would not, you know, be saying those things if they're playing JJ Watt next week, and, and and maybe he would. I don't know. It just, I think it's been way overblown, and just you can't expect somebody to react. Level-headedly after after a loss like that, especially their first loss of the season after things were going great, I just I don't know I just thought it was way, a little too much. But uh, moving forward, uh, we have a little segment that we like to do most weeks. It's, where it's something I like to call Nick Rant. It's where I give my co-host the floor, Nick, to rant about something that's bothering or something that's on his mind. Um, sometimes it's controversial. Sometimes I like to call it shots fired. Uh, but uh,
2: Nick, what you got Well, this week I want to talk about accountability. One example where coach, defensive coordinator Rob Ryan, was held accountable for his terrible product and shut him the door during the bye week. And then switch to a player. But, you know, first let's start with the coach. Wow, New Orleans was on pace to give up more passing touchdowns than any team ever. Now, you might think that, hey, teams are scoring more than they used to, and the passing game is king right now. So that record is probably broken every few years, right? But actually that record was set all the way back in 1963. And this is after Ryan's defense ranked 31st overall last year. I mean, really, anything less than Ryan's firing would have given the appearance that head coach Sean Payton is just coasting through what many expect to be his final season in New Orleans. And really, Rob Ryan doesn't have a great track record of consistently solid defense. If he had a different name, I doubt he'd ever be a defensive coordinator again in the NFL, but with the level of cronyism around late the league, he'll probably resurface in a year or two with another desperate team for no reason other than his bloodline But now moving on to Dallas, it seems Greg Hardy is kind of receiving the Axel Rose treatment. Hey, do whatever you want as long as you show up on Sunday. Uh, I mean, yelling at teammates and coaches on the sidelines, taunting fans, put a bunch of nonsense on Twitter, like innocent until proven guilty, even though he was convicted and only got off due to a legal loophole. And then he shows up late on uh, Thursday for for the team meetings, missing all the meetings and part of practice, something that would get 99% of players suspended or at least sat down for the opening series or two but not in Dallas. It appears the Cowboys are now in the role of the enabler, allowing Hardy to do just whatever he wants short of being arrested again. Maybe if he had showed up for the meetings, he'd have had more than one tackle in the loss against Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, it's not like he's even helping them win games. They're 0-5 since he arrived. Dallas is setting a dangerous precedent if head coach Jason Garrett has to discipline a star player in the future. Well, of course, Garrett may not be around for long if the team doesn't improve pretty quickly on a two-win streak. Josh... Oh,
1: I'd be surprised if Garrett got the X. I don't really think this, that's it's all his fault, but I do totally hear what you say on about the uh the Greg Hardy situation and I don't know what uh what the answer is, but um uh you know, you one thing it's it's one thing for a franchise to stick behind. Uh their players, but then I mean at this point it's just got ridiculous. And and you're totally right about Rob Bryant too. I just if if he wasn't uh Orion who knows if he would uh be coaching again anywhere ever again you know maybe I, I just don't especially at this point i don't see how anybody would give this guy a coordinator position again i mean look ended bad in dallas it ended even worse in in, in new orleans i mean who's who's that hard up to give this guy that much free reign again of your defense. And I know he's lost. He's been decimated with injuries the last couple of years, but I still just like, yeah, uh, very, very, uh, odd odd situation there as he continues to get work based on his name alone, uh, and possibly his hair. I mean, he does have some nice long flowing locks. Maybe that just, uh, mesmerizes people. If he does a little hair flutter, so, Moving on, who should we claim on the waiver wire this week, Nick?
2: Uh, well, just real quick, I want to say that I do think that the, both the Ryans would probably be amongst the most fun coaches in the in the league to go have a beer with. But, uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on to the waiver wires. Uh, I think in New England, uh, Amendola, if he's not on the roster in your league, he's a must-add uh, with the injury to Edelman there. And I think Aaron Dobson is probably rosterable now in deeper leagues. Uh, moving on to the New York Giants, I think Dwayne Harris is kind of settling into the role that we all thought Reuben Randall would have before the season started. Now, with uh, Justin Hunter uh, out for the year and Kendall Wright still hurt, I think Harry Douglas uh, in read leagues and also uh, DGB should probably see more work there in Tennessee. Uh, do you know Tim Hightower actually led New Orleans and carried in Week 11? And don't look now, but Kadine Carey actually got 14 uh, touches there in, in Chicago. Uh, and also, uh, with Alan Hearns getting hurt in Jacksonville, I think the opportunity could be there for uh uh former second round pick Marquise Lee to possibly see enough kicking in targets. So I believe uh Brian Walters also got slightly dinged up here in Jacksonville. Uh
1: Walters well, has got a little bit of a concussion thing going on right now. And uh sounds like Rashad Green actually practiced in full today in Jacksonville too. So uh once you finally figure you got that situation hammered out, uh that starts to happen and the wheels start to turn again. Um Speaking of Tennessee as well, they have elevated uh, with putting Hunter on the IR. They've elevated Trey McBride, their seventh-round pick this year, to the active roster. So uh, if he's out there, he might be out there in some deep, excuse me, deeper dynasty leagues. Certainly worth an add if you're uh, in desperate need of a wide receiver or are in rebuilding. I don't think that's a bad player to add at all. I'm sure he's been on their practice squad all year long. So I think I think it's a fairly uh, fairly decent option for you there. Um, Dwayne Harris the Dwayne Harris is totally awesome I I, I dig where you're coming from there they did sign Hakeem Nix which I I don't understand why they brought back in him but you know they keep saying this team is wide receiver starved because you know Victor Cruz hasn't played and they cut Preston Parker but I mean you do have Odell Beckham and I know Randall's been digged up but Harris has just been balling for this team lately, and I don't know why. Obviously, it's a it's a guy they know, and it's a guy that they can have to build depth. But yeah, I would still go uh, go Dwayne Harris, and he you know he's not going to be even maybe touched on the waiver wire this week. since they're on to buy, that might be a a decent add for you there. Uh, yeah, Amendola, totally right there. Uh, let's not forget the quarterbacks. Uh, Mark Sanchez gets another crack at things. Uh, Brock Osweiler's day has finally come. Case Keenum, if you're super, super desperate, he is out there. Um, I'm interested to see how that thing goes there in Tennessee. Is Keenum's Keenum's a gunslinger, man. He's he threw a lot of balls in college. Uh, a lot of big big receiver sets and I know that's not their their forte with uh, with uh excuse me Gurley in the backfield, but uh I think Keenum can make some plays in this offense. Uh, and, and, you know, sad Said case for Foles is you know he's still being outscored by Colin Kaepernick and most leagues and Cap hasn't played for the last couple of weeks, so uh, <laughs> that things a little going downhill there. And uh, a, a daily alert, and I meant to check this, and I don't. I'm not I'm not a daily person. I've played here and there, but I don't play every single week. Um, I would probably venture to guess it's due to the season that Matthew Stafford's value is a little bit down. Oh, but guess what? He
2: gets the Oakland Raiders this
0: week.
1: So uh, if he's available in any league or if you need, need a daily QB, I, I would highly suggest playing him against the Raiders in Detroit. Uh, even if Detroit loses that game, you know, he could still have a, a monster game there because it's the Raiders secondary. It's basically Charles Woodson and uh, D.J. Hayden, who's still – well, he's making tackles, but he's giving up receptions. That's for sure.
0: Uh,
1: excuse me, uh, but uh, yeah, some def- definite people out there for you. Obviously, if you're in deeper leagues, it's uh, it might not be the case. Or two two QB leagues, you're gonna have to spend some dollars to get those guys that are gonna be starting next week. But uh, I I like Keenum, and Osweiler does get uh, Chicago too. So. He might have a good game this week, uh, but I wouldn't get too excited about it until he does that a few weeks nor what do you think about Osweiler finally getting a shot? Uh it's not like he's some squeaky clean rookie, right, Nick? What do you think?
2: Well, you gotta like the weapons that he has to work, uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders give him a great one two punch there receiver. So you know, the the pieces are in place for him to have success, whether or not he does it, and, uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's I I think this week's going to be a big test. I think, you know, we, that's one of the questions in a Q and A coming up on Saturday. And uh, I think if he has a good game, I think he's gonna gonna be rewarded there with a few more starts. Because this is not a it, it is on the road, but Chicago certainly had its uh, defensibles, and they're getting better. But uh, it's yeah. This, this I mean I I'm thinking you know plus 200 yards and a pair of touchdowns for him. That would be a, a decent line there,
3: an encouraging
1: line, we'll say. Uh, but let's get to our Dynasty Dilemma as we are clipping right along here. One uh, We're going IDP this week. i was trying to think last time we did an IDP, Nick, and I know one of the first ones we did was Shazier versus somebody, but I couldn't tell you the last time we, and I remember we did Gronk versus JJ Watt, but I, I couldn't tell you the last time we did an actual IDP versus IDP. So uh, let's do Khalil Mack versus Michael Bennett. Nick had the chance to go first, so uh, you got the floor, buddy.
2: Well, first of all, comparing a linebacker to the defensive end is kind of like comparing apples to oranges. But, you know, with a linebacker like Khalil Mack, I'm looking for a guaranteed handful of tackles, like most inside linebackers provide. But Mack is an outside backer, and he's just got a very low floor. He's got five games without a sack. He's got one game with zero tackles, another game with only one tackle, another game with only two tackles. I mean, yes, he's having a good year, but he's not an IDP stud quite yet by any means. Uh, now, Michael Bennett, as a defensive end, is in a position where consistent tackle numbers are a bit harder to come by than a linebacker, but Bennett has produced every week. His worst game IDP-wise was last week. He only had two assists, but he's got five games with four more tackles. He's got sacks in four games, including three and a half sacks against San Francisco in week seven. So Bennett basically is a guy at a thinner position with more consistency, more sacks, and more total tackles than Mac. Uh, who plays a more loaded position now don't forget also that Seattle is used to winning and will be playing with a lot of pressure on them for the rest of the season and they have a history of thriving in high pressure situations in the past, whereas Oakland is a young team especially experiencing success for the first time, we could see maybe a little bit of a letdown just due to the youth and inexperience there in Oakland now of course, Mac does have a great long term outlook, but just for the rest of this just for the rest of this year i would uh I would have to go with Bennett.
1: Yeah, we did kind of take the rest of this year angle with this. And one thing that's going to be interesting is Mack is it, – it didn't – nobody wanted to believe it, but Mack is basically a defensive end now, even though he's still listed at linebacker in most leagues. But he's he's been playing defensive end. So I, I imagine he'll be listed as at DL next season. Um. At least on uh, my fantasy league, which is really the only fantasy site that matters for for us dynasty nuts. But um, that, yeah, that's very good points there. Um, but uh, I'm sure that's going to change, and that, that certainly it does affect how you're going to, to rush people the rest of the season. Uh, Mac has certainly had his issues, but uh, ever, you know, ever since he dominated the Ohio State Buckeyes in college, the IDP world just been drooling over this guy being. You know, a combination of all the good of Lawrence Taylor and Deacon Jones, and well, you God, I mean, everybody just just loves this guy. You know, and the cornerstone of every good defense is has to be their furious defensive end who leads by example. Uh, Bennett has done just that for Seattle, and he's been as important to that Seattle defensive line as Bobby Wagner has to their linebacking core. Uh, but speaking of L linebackers versus defensive end, Matt, who spent his rookie season checking all the PFF grading boxes at outside linebacker, that's pro football focus, they they are part of the uh, gospel according to back, has now been converted to defensive end by new D.C. Ken Norton. Uh, was this the right call? And I said I would never do this on the podcast again, but I, here I go. Was this the right call? Only time
0: will tell. Oh, uh,
1: that was very bad. Very bad. And no, yeah, no, no, I won't do it. <laughs> I, I had it. I had more of a melodic feeling going into that Nick, but I just got nervous. But uh, moving on, <laughs> this this move could be the biggest reason why Mac has not exploded into IDP superiority this season. Up to this point, he has not been the dominant force peeps were expecting when they took him in rounds eight to eleven in their startup. Uh, Mac does rank in the top 15 in tackles for loss, and his five sacks are just one and a half sacks behind. Uh, they both and they both rank inside the top 25. Not bad for a guy at a new position. Uh, but perhaps the best is yet to come for Mac this season. He's more comfortable now at his new position, and uh, his lack of tackle volume may uh, may actually still less instill less fear in his opponents. Justin Tuck has obviously been lost for this season, and Mario Edwards, though he's played playing very well has gotten pretty dinged up over the last couple weeks. So uh, maybe Matt can seize this opportunity and be the force that we all projected. Um, you know, Oakland's going to be probably eliminated from the playoffs here within the next month, and I think that could be some uh, things full throttle there for
2: uh, Mr. Mack and this defense.
1: Nick, you got a rebuttal there?
2: Well, I, I love your point about how uh, you think next year Mack will be listed as a defensive lineman on a lot of the fantasy sites, and if that's the case, I would try to target him right now because his value is going to just skyrocket if he's uh, listed at DL and not linebacker. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm very sorry about this thing. I'm
1: not a not a professional, obviously. Um, trustworthy IDP options. Uh, what do you what do you got for us, Nick? This is you know kind of another rest of the season angle as we want to really get you guys focused and ready for that. What what do you got for us? Nick?
2: Well, we'll starting defensive end. Uh, I think many fantasy players gave up on Carolina uh, defensive lineman Coney Ealy after a tough rookie season last year, but he's actually starting to come around. He's got a he's got a sack in each of his last three games, plus two forced fumbles over that span. Uh, he's got two or more tackles in all but two weeks this season, and you look at his schedule: week 14 and 16, both typical. Uh, uh, playoff weeks in fantasy. Carolina plays Atlanta, who's kind of in a free fall right now. So I think uh Ely is probably a free agent in many leagues. He can still sign and could help you win. And he's a great ad in dynasty format.
4: Uh
1: yeah, totally agree there. Um even though I was one of those guys that gave up on him. Uh I also like uh Jacques Smith, uh, down there in Tampa. He's been playing uh very well. Uh, Jarrell, Casey, and Kane and Hayward are kind of up and down, but I think uh, they're, they are guys that, you know, if people are, are losing faith in them or if some people like to gravitate towards winning teams, they, I don't know if they think that's just good karma or whatnot, but I would certainly uh, look at them. Um, Malik Jackson's been playing pretty well, too. Um, you know, and if, if you're looking at a team that's rebuilding and they want to unload some guys like uh, – Cliff Avril, or uh, even you know, even Michael Bennett, the Seattle Michael Bennett. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't uh, hesitate to do that. I think that that could be a, a decent move for you. What do you got for us on linebackers?
2: Well, sometimes when a player joins a new team, it takes a half season or so to feel comfortable. But it looks like Brian Arakpo has found that comfort level in Tennessee. He's got four sacks over the last three weeks after only two sacks in their first six games and he's got a nice schedule looking forward. Two games against Jacksonville, also plays against Oakland, uh, the Jets, and Houston. You may not want to play him against New England in Week 15, but other than that, great schedule. Uh, he's got double-digit fantasy points in four of the last five weeks after in the first four weeks had uh, zero double-digit games. So this is a guy that's really coming on the second half of the season.
1: Um, Melvin Ingram continues to get uh, no love because that San Diego defense is so horrible. I love saying that. Uh, geez, all their linebackers are available in a lot of leagues. Tao being hurt and Donald Butler. You don't want to touch Donald Butler, but uh, it's interesting that, that there's a whole, whole sect of linebackers available for one team. Not not a bad ad, ad there. Um, look at, you know, maybe Malcolm Smith, even though he's been, obviously he's rostered, he might get a little bit of a bump now that Alden Smith has been cut and, uh, or not cut, suspended for a year. In um, Washington, a guy named Will Compton filled in very admirably last week for uh, Keenan Robinson, and it sounds like there could be a little bit of a uh, rotation cluster going on there. And, uh, and, and, in Washington, which is not good news for Keenan Robinson owners like myself, but uh, uh, Compton obviously gets a bump there. And uh, Whitney Mercellus there in Houston, uh, quietly putting together a, a fairly decent season. He's kind of had some huge weeks over the last month or so after starting slow, but he's getting a lot of tackles for loss. So they're obviously setting him up in the right situations, or, you know, people are running away from. J.J. Watt, so like you know, can't blame people there for that. But uh, that's a, that's another name that I, that I really like there. But if you need a, if you like San Diego linebackers, there's plenty available. Oh, and Jonathan Casillas in, in New York too. He's another guy that's been playing pretty well, considering there's been a lot of injuries in that uh, linebacking core there for the Giants. What do you got, for us, uh, DB Whites.
2: Well, I'm going to stay in Tennessee where Michael Griffin at 30 years old is having a pretty decent season. Uh, Griffin offers a safe floor. His worst tackling game this year was two tackles and two assists, but that week he also had a pass defense defending interception. He's got eight or more points every week. And like Arakpo, he's got a nice schedule. Uh, Bortles and Carr are both promising young quarterbacks, but young players make mistakes sometimes. Plus, he's got the games versus the Jets in Houston. Um, now, if you adhere to the strategy of playing it safe with your IDP guys so you can take more risks on high upside offensive players, I think uh, Michael Griffin fits that bill to a tee. Oh,
0: yeah,
1: and he's another guy that started slow, so people – Well, he's another guy that I dropped early on (laughs) in the year. We'll put it that way. So he could easily be available in a lot of of formats there for you. So, yeah, definitely I like that one there. Um, Excuse me. I grabbed the wrong kind of energy drink this morning, and it's not sitting in my throat very well. Obviously, there's big names out there. Yeah. Jaquirski Tart has played really well though finally. Right. is it Jakwirski or Jaquisky? I don't think there's an yeah, there's not an R in there. He's been playing really well. Landon Collins has been slowly coming around. He's had some issues but he's been growing through them. Um, Mark Barron's a guy probably not available in a lot of leagues, but he's having a monster year as he's spending a lot of time uh a weak side linebacker but he's still listed as a uh, a safety so uh certainly uh something that you can uh, expose there because he's making lots of lots of points there. Um uh, uh a- Andrew Sendejo, I believe is how you say that name in Minnesota, is is looking sharp and doing some good things and uh who is who's the other safety there, Nick, but I can't think of who's he taking uh, over? Oh um, no. Who's he's taking over has taken over this guy's role. Um, Blanton, Robert Blanton, he's kind of supplanted Robert Blanton um, in that aspect. And JJ uh, J. Wilcox in in Dallas has been up and down, but he he is a guy that I, I I would certainly be able to trust going down going down the stretch, just because he he does make a lot of plays there. So uh, certainly somebody somebody to look at there as well. Um, and. Uh, Craig Dahl is getting a little bit of love in the Giants too, but I worry a lot about that Giants defense cuz it kind of seem all over the place and there's been injuries happening, but uh it's certainly a, a situation to look at really really deeply there in uh in New York.
0: Um let's get to
1: some sit our start Nick. Uh Blake Bortles versus the Titans or Russell Wilson versus the 49ers. What do you think?
2: Well, I think if Alan Hearns was a 100%, I think it would be a toss-up. But since he's hurt, I just don't trust Bortles quite as much. He sure has been a lot better this year than anybody thought, though. I hope he can keep it go- going and elevate another receiver maybe to Hearns' level. Uh, Wilson, I-, I think I would have to go with him. You know, he had 240 yards, one touchdown last week, 52 yards rushing. It's not his fault his team gave up 451 yards to the Cardinals. So I think I would stick and stick with Russell Wilson.
1: Yeah, I got one league right now that I'm going into the playoffs looks like, because 'cause I'm seven and two and Wilson is my only quarterback.
0: So I,
1: I hope I can stick with him. But I uh, I think if you need a jolt or you're looking like you're playing somebody that's scoring a lot of points. I, I I have no problem gambling with borders but Bortles. but I feel like uh Wilson is certainly uh the the safer pick in the in this aspect. So uh I guess we'll stick with that. Uh, James Starks at Minnesota or Chris Johnson versus the Bengals? What do you think?
2: You know what? I think I'm going to go with Chris Johnson. You know he's going to get his carries, 20 or more. But in Green Bay, they have a tendency to abandon the runner uh, sometimes, which is easy to do when Aaron Rodgers is behind center. Uh, Starks, I think, had a higher ceiling. But with Johnson, you just... You just have that you gotta love that guaranteed volume. Twenty five carries last week, even though their running attack wasn't super effective. You only had fifty eight yards on those twenty five carries. But the fact that you know he's gonna get the ball week in, week out makes him a pretty safe start.
1: Uh, yeah, totally agree there. um this is asked by me, uh by my buddy Dustin. And I and I told him I think if Lacey is active, I would probably go Johnson. But if he's not, I would probably go Stark. I think this is a a pretty hard call, and it's it's a good one to discuss because even if Johnson is the guy that gets 25 carries, let's say he has 90 yards, you know, Jones could have 30 yards, but maybe two one-yard touchdown punches. So I I think – if like I said, if Lacey's active, I would probably go Johnson, but if if Lacy is out again, I think you gotta roll Starks. Um, Gio Bernard at Arizona or Charles Sims at Philadelphia. What do you think, Nick?
2: Team struggled on Monday night. But it's not like Tampa Bay lit up lit it up versus Dallas. They only scored ten points. Uh Sims had less than a third of Doug Martin's carries, and half of his receptions. So Giovanni Bernard gets a higher percentage of touches and versus a defense that gave up 32 points to Seattle last week. Okay, there's a defensive touchdown, too. But still, the Arizona D isn't quite enough to uh, to get me to sit a player as good as Giovanni Bernard. And especially coming off that tough loss, I think Cincinnati could come out really fired up this week.
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm stuck with uh, Jeremy Hill and uh... – G.O. on one team, and every week it's just like, oh. And I actually had Charles Sims on that team too, so uh, maybe this one was more for me to hear about what you said there, Nick, but uh, yeah, we'll see how that uh, shapes up. It's it's weird because you know, we've had the same situations going on in Denver where they're winning, and obviously Denver is on the, on the downslide right now, but where they're winning, but they're running their running game isn't isn't really doing a whole lot and uh, but Geo is getting the more consistent points he's kind of be almost becoming Fred Jackson where he's just he's good for those those eight to twelve points that he's predicted for you know he's going to just drop ten and if you can depend on that you know rather than you know go yeah certainly Sims could have an awesome game and have seven or eight catches and a touchdown but that's not that's not the norm and it's Certainly going to depend on uh, game flow as well there too. So I, I like your your thoughts there with Geo. just because we know we know there's a definite role for him. Where Sims is certainly more uh, more dependent on the game flow there. So uh, what do you think about Rashard Matthews at the Cowboys, or Michael Crabtree versus Detroit there, Nick?
2: Well, I think Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree is basically a weekly starter for me. Uh, four catches for fifty-five yards last week. That was his worst game since week five, and it came from tough to Denver secondary. He's been over a hundred yards two of the last three weeks. Yeah, four touchdowns over the last four games. Plus, he's got a better quarterback, and he's got better help on the other side of the field. No disrespect to Jarvis Landry, but he's no Amari Cooper. So, I think I would have to go with Crabtree.
1: Yeah. I just, I just don't know. It seems like, uh, there is a little bit of a, uh, a, a feed Cooper or Crabtree in these games, you know, whoever can stay, stay open. And man, I really hope they just keep this offense opened up because they don't have the running back depths to, uh, give their running backs 20 to 30 carries. And, uh, I don't think that's going to happen in this game either. But uh, gosh, I like Matthews Landry. Landry has to be a focal point of every defensive opponent, just because he does so much, and they the, you know they have to be watching him on just about every snap where he's lining up and where if he's going to get you know a rushing attempt or whatnot, or you know if it's a bubble screen or whatnot. He's just a He's such a dynamic player and such a versatile player, and I think he's going to be more of a focal point. And Matthews is just a just a deep threat, and Dallas has been susceptible to those big plays downfield. And I think uh, I think I would probably go Matthews here. He's, he's proven a lot of people wrong this year, and I, I expect that to continue. Um, where Crabtree's, you know, probably a solid, you know, six catches for seventy yards, probably. Uh, I think Matthews could maybe be the you know one, one to one to three catches, but he could maybe have you know a couple touchdowns or maybe one that's like eighty yards long or maybe not eighty but maybe fifty. And it's just I think it's more feasible there for him to do that. Um, again, I think Crabtree maybe what might be the safer option, but Matthews is certainly a deep threat and Dallas has been. Uh, vulnerable to that type of issue there. So
2: let's get to uh,
1: some dynasty trade analysis. One second here.
0: Time for dynasty trade analysis. (laughs) 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 All right, all right, all right.
1: Okay, speaking of Michael Crabtree, uh, Nick, what do you think about Crabtree crab for, uh, excuse me, Crabtree, 2016 fifth round, 2016 seventh round pick for Fletcher Cox and Bernardrick McKinney. What do you think about that deal there? Full IDP league here, obviously.
2: Uh, I think it's a pretty good trade uh, for the guy picking up the two defenders. Uh, Crabtree, he, I just said he's a weekly start, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, Oakland decided to try to upgrade the wide receiver two position there in the off season. so tough to say how he's going to hold his value moving forward after the year, and the uh, fifth and the seventh, that's just whatever, so either you're picking up Fletcher Cox you know, not a rookie, but he's still fairly young enough to provide, uh, provide a pretty good impact for the next few years. And McKinney's got a lot of upside there, too, as a rookie there in Houston. So definitely like picking up the defenders.
1: Uh, yeah, and McKinney certainly has some some room to grow. But uh, you are giving up a receiver who certainly is going get,
4: to get his,
1: as we already established, over the next couple of years. Oh, but you're getting two dynamic young defenders in return. You know some players that you can build around. So, uh, and you're giving up really nothing there for picks. There, uh, you know some obviously some wild cards, some lottery tickets, if you will. So, yeah, I certainly like the side that gets the two defenders. Um, some more Michael Crabtree action. Uh, this is, I don't. It seems kind of boring when it's just player for player. But uh, Melvin Gordon for Michael Crabtree. Nick, what do you think?
2: Well, it's funny, this trade would have been just completely inconceivable back in July, <laughs> but that's how far Melvin Gordon's stock has fallen and crab trees has risen. Um, I, I guess I like picking up Gordon. I mean, he is still just a rookie, so he may, you know, figure it out one of these times. I don't know. I think it's pretty even on both sides, though.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's certainly a young receiver for, for an aging – excuse me, a young – running back for an agent receiver. And, you know, I think this this trade would have been uh, all kinds of – pissed all kinds of people off even mid-September. Uh, but like you said, his stock has certainly fallen uh, to this point. And honestly, if you're given Melvin Gordon, I think you've got to be pretty happy getting Mike Crabtree in return at this point. Um, and so I think it's actually a fairly even trade there. Uh, final one, now that we're off the Crabtree – um, three straight Crabtree talking points. Uh, Latavius Murray and for excuse me, it's Latavius Murray and 2016 second for Alshon Jeffrey. I saw this one on Twitter, and the person that posted just said, "Not involved," but wow, I'm speechless. What? Uh, did you get that vibe there, Nick?
2: Yeah, this one surprised me a little bit, too. I thought if I was a Jeffrey owner, I would want more than just Murray in a second. I uh, Jeffrey, I think, you know, looking long-term, he's a top-ten wide receiver in Dynasty formats, I would think. And Latavis Murray, he's flashed, but, you know, we really uh, – I don't know. Maybe you're a little more sold on him than I am, but uh, I don't know. I think I would have asked for a little bit more. Uh,
1: I am not sold on him, and uh... – even though I totally want him to succeed, obviously, but you know this is a guy that's had a second concussion now too, and in less than a year's time, that's certainly. Oh, and he's a running back that gets his neck pounded on every play. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think that person got a got a steal there. Obviously, they're maybe super super running back desperate there. If they if and hopefully they're deep at receiver if they give it up, Alshon. And uh he finally had a down week last week. But uh he's when he's healthy the guy just the guy just produces, so you can't really can't really fault him for that. Um let's move to some ID P start them here, Nick. Uh Chris Baker, Washington Redskin. Uh, at Carolina, or Kawan Short versus the Redskins. Couple a couple of interior guys, but uh, both Both playing very well, I think surprisingly very well. What do you think?
2: Well, Chris Baker has better tackle numbers on the season. Plus, uh, Washington has shown a tendency to abandon the run at times, which could hurt uh, the defensive tackle production there for sure. Uh, The Skins are unlikely to blow out Carolina like they did New Orleans, but it's not inconceivable that Carolina wins big and just runs dive plays plays in the second half to kill the clock. So I think I would uh, go with Chris Baker here.
1: Uh yeah, there's certainly more I think more of a chance to, for him to succeed there but uh Kwon Short really gets after the after the quarterback. I I had his sack number in front of me but uh he he certainly a guy that's been uh playing above above his head there and uh you know maybe they're going to be passing a lot more maybe that's going to take some tackles away from him but I think he could have that possibility of making uh uh, one big play, so I think maybe we're looking at uh, sexy versus safe there with uh, Baker being a safe option. So uh I, I, I like Baker though. I, I totally hear what you're saying. That's that's probably the best way to go there. Uh Jamie Collins versus the Bills or Pernell McPhee versus
2: the Denver Osweilers. What do you think, well, McSee hasn't had five tackles in a, week, in a game since week four, whereas last week was uh, the only game that Jamie Collins was under five total tackles. Plus, you know, the Denver offense, we don't really know what we're going to see from them. They could, for all we know, have a bunch of three and outs, which would really limit the uh, scoring opportunities for defenders there. Uh, but, you know, Buffalo can move the chains keeping defenders on the field. So I think I would have to, uh, I would have to go with Jamie Collins.
1: Oh, and Collins is such a dynamic player, too. Um, That being said, I totally – I think I totally go with Pernell McPhee where he's not the tackle volume guy. Uh, uh, You can't tell me that uh, John Fox is going to be sending Pernell McPhee, their their top pass rusher, at him as many times as possible with this guy making – Making a first a first start and possibly you know a career a career altering uh, game here for uh, for Osweiler. I don't want to want to put too much pressure on the kid, but I mean he's playing for a team that's obviously in playoff contention here, and they're looking for a spark. I, and, I, and I'm not going to say he's going to crumble, but I think you're going to see Fox, who obviously knows this Denver team and probably knows Osweiler's tendencies and weaknesses. Is gonna uh, keep McPhee in his face all day long. You know, Chicago paid McPhee a lot of money based on uh, you know what he did with like a 35 to 40 percent snap count there in Baltimore, and he's he's certainly been an, a bright spot in a defense that hasn't been doing a whole lot there. So I I think I go gotta go McPhee. I think it's it's sexy, but I but I like it. Uh, some rookie quarterbacks. We think about Ronald Darby versus, excuse me, at New England. That's the Monday Nighter, or Marcus Peters at San Diego. You know, I didn't think about this, Nick, until I just said it out loud. But just Chargers have any wide receivers left for Peters to cover? Well,
2: to me, this one's kind of a coin flip. They're both facing big-time passing attacks that don't always rely on their receivers. You've got uh, Gates and Gronk at tight end, and then Woodhead and White out of the backfield. So I, I think I'll take Darby. He's just got more consistent tackle numbers. Peters does have four interceptions to Darby's two picks. And Darby probably won't get this one this week uh, against the great, the great uh, Tom Brady. So if you're in an interception heavy scoring league or you're just looking for the high risk, high reward guy, then I would go Peters. But I think uh, uh, I just think Darby's a safer play.
1: It's hard because both of these offenses that they're facing are going to obviously throw the ball a ton. And um, I. But. Uh, yeah, it's and it's certainly going to be you know that whole game flow dependent thing, but uh, who who knows what's going to happen in, in that situation? So I, I' a little worried about, uh, like I said, who, who San Diego is going to throw to. But uh, if they're down, they're going to have to throw it anyway, and we know Rivers and Brady both have no problems doing that. Um, but you're probably right there with the uh, with the Darby call. It's, it seems a little bit safer. Uh, Hate hate to continue to dig the same angle there, Nick, but uh what do you got for us for uh best number twenty
2: eight? Well, starting off, let's go back a few years. From uh nineteen fifty two to nineteen fifty three and then fifty six to sixty four, Detroit had a versatile hall of famer named Yale Larry, fifty interceptions and also was a punter and a punt returner and nine time pro bowler. Now, uh, moving on, since most of our modern finalists are running backs, I just want to start with uh, Dallas' strong safety, Darren Woodson, uh, five-time Pro Bowler and three-time Super Bowl championship. Uh, The Dallas offense made all the headlines in the 90s, but they had a pretty good defense as well. And Woodson is unquestionably one of the leaders in that defense. Now, uh, moving on to some running backs, Chris Johnson's probably not an all-time great, but he had one of the greatest seasons of all-time back in 2009 when he rushed for over 2,000 yards, and he's having a lot better year in Arizona than most people thought possible, myself included. Uh, Now, before there's uh, the Super Bowl-winning quarterback, Kurt Warner, there's the AFC West Seattle Seahawks running back, Kurt Warner, Kurt with the C, Uh, the number three overall pick of the 1983 draft. Maybe didn't live up to some of the others from that draft class, but he had 4,000-yard seasons and two seasons with over 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns and a three-time Pro Bowler. Uh, Next up, Corey Dillon opened up his career with six straight 1,000-yard seasons for the Bengals, but had his best year in 2004 with New England, 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns on to a Super Bowl win. Uh, Back in the good old days when you could actually trust a New England running back, he had double-digit touchdowns each of his three seasons there. Now, Fred Taylor is the 15th leading rusher of all time. Rushed for 1,100 or more yards seven times and caught 30 passes uh, five times. Surprisingly, he only went to one Pro Bowl. Wart Dunn proved that sometimes smaller running backs can be every-down players. He played 11 games or more in all 12 of his season. Uh, seven times he played all 16 games and uh, played 15 games three times. Had a nearly 11,000 yards rushing and three-time Pro Bowler. Now, the six-time Pro Bowler, Adrian Peterson, might deserve to be higher, but, you know, I'll admit his off-the-field stuff leads to a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. That's all I'll say about that. So now moving on to the top three. Hall of Famer and fourth-leading rusher of all time, Curtis Martin, over 1,000 yards in his first 10 seasons and a five-time Pro Bowler. Fellow Hall of Famer, Marshall Fox, only 10th all-time leading rusher, but went to seven Pro Bowls, a Super Bowl championship, champion, and his versatility out of the backfield. 767 catches for 6,800 yards and 36 touchdowns gives him the nod to me over Curtis Martin. But, you know, for me, I can't make the argument that either of these two running backs are the greatest running back of all time. But Darryl Green may be the greatest cornerback of all time. Played for 20 years, all those years at corner. Never had to move to safety because he slowed down like a lot of guys do. Um, seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champ, uh, fastest player in the NFL for many of those 20 seasons. Uh, His 295 games is good for 13th all-time, and the only skill position player with more games played than Daryl Green is Jerry Rice. Yeah, and you know what fan old enough doesn't remember Green catching Tony Dorsett from behind or returning a punt for a touchdown against Chicago in the playoffs the whole time clutching his injured side? You know, I'm biased. He is my favorite player personally, but I still believe he deserves the best number 28 of all time.
1: Good Lord, what a number. I mean, Adrian Peterson, Marshall Falk, Curtis Martin, and then, oh, yeah, Daryl Green. Oh, uh, wow. Um, I, I'm i sure we've talked about this on, on the podcast one time before, or or if it was then, you know, at Royal Rob or here on The Pulse. But I think Daryl Green, and I and I totally hear you there, and I'm not going to fault you or call you a homer. It's just because I had the pleasure to watch Daryl Green play. I mean, it's pretty hard to make an argument that somebody was better at what they did than he was. And uh, one play that sticks out to my my mind is they were playing, I think, like the Giants or something on the Monday night, and the Giants had the ball like on the fifth, their own fifteen. And uh, I don't even remember who anybody else was on the field besides Gerald Green. That's how, that's how vivid this play is for me. But uh, Green, right at, the, right at the right at the snap, Green slips and and like falls to one knee and obviously the the quarterback sees this and uh throws to that receiver who catches the ball probably 20 yards downfield looks like he's flying for a touchdown nobody near him you know from most of the time and next thing you know you just see this flash and it's Daryl Green stripping the ball from that receiver <laughs> and causing a turnover and I think he even picked the ball back up and started running the other way with it I mean what what I mean that the guy just never gave up I mean he was basically fell to one knee, got burned, but he had you know just the drive and the sheer speed to catch this guy seventy yards downfield and if he was coming up today, you know people would be like, "Oh, he's fast." short and that nobody ever called Darryl green short once they saw him play I mean it was just like wow this guy is amazing and if, and if you're too young to that to witness him play you need to you need to figure some things out and like wa- watch how you figure out how you can watch him play because he was just such a phenomenal challenge um yeah easily for me to you know Immediately, the first thing that I thought of when we talked about this number was Marshall Folk. But then you forget AP. You kind of forget Curtis Lawrence, because he's been gone. But then, yeah, then you then you get to Daryl Green, and you're just like, oh yeah. And like you said, twenty years. I mean, twenty years at a skill position, a position like cornerback. I mean, who else? Who else actually has the ability to do that? And certainly not in today's NFL. So yeah, no fault there for uh, picking a Redskins love it, um, Chuck has been patiently
2: waiting. Do you
1: have any more good things to say about Daryl Green, Nick? Do you remember that game? I, I feel like we were watching that together
2: for some reason. Yeah, uh, you know, I couldn't tell you what season it happened in, but I think I do remember the player talking about. It. Yeah, yeah, just an amazing player. and Yeah, he was only 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but did, that didn't play like it. He could cover the 6'4", six, 6'5", six, receivers with no problem. Okay,
0: let's get
1: Mr. Chuck Podyski on the line as we do some ATS picks.
3: How's it going, Josh? How's it going, Nick?
0: Good, good. Just
3: uh, get
1: people pumped up with the music. Uh, welcome. I, I didn't.
3: I didn't know when it was safe for me to talk. I was trying to talk to you a little <laughs> earlier, and then, uh, but I was muted. So you know, uh, I have to repeat a... everything that I said. Some of it I can't repeat.
0: Oh. <laughs> uh,
3: well, it is Chuck Podleski, our uh, our fearless voice out there in Las Vegas as he guides us
1: through some ATS fix. How are you doing today, buddy?
3: Good. I was uh three and two, had another one winning week on uh on Chuck's choices, but I uh I I would prefer to be four and one or five and zero, uh, if you know what I'm talking about. Our sweeps did well last week, you guys. Um we were four and one in our sweeps. We had uh, we all had the Jets, so we started off uh in in a bad way on Thursday, but we got the Bears. We got the Dolphins, we got the Jaguars, and we got the Cardinals. So uh we're geniuses.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh and, and you know the more that I l- looked and heard about the Jets game, i just God, why did I pick the Jets? They're so beat up and uh they obviously going against your former coaches Scott is never is never a good thing.
3: Yeah, and what, what was the deal with those uniforms? Isn't one team supposed to have white jerseys? Did, did the NFL approve the, the red and the green?
1: I think they were just trying to get everybody in the Christmas spirit.
3: Yeah, a little early. They should play that game like a week before Christmas or something, and, and then it would make sense. I, I didn't really understand the uh, the stuff there. But anyway, we had a good week. I was 10-4 uh, and 4 myself against the spread on all the games, so always consider that a victory, and uh, we'll, we'll hope we do half as good this week.
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely. Uh, One more note of uh, humor about those jerseys is I have a friend who is, I I guess you wouldn't say legally, but he is uh, partially colorblind, where he doesn't see certain certain shades very well, maybe some more pastels, and he said he was having a real hard time trying to watch that game. I just thought that was... That was kind of funny. And it's yeah, not, that know, would it's, be – It is somewhat of a disability, but, uh, yeah, he did not appreciate that NFL. So
3: there you go. <laughs> well, I I imagine it would be a lot easier if one team had white jerseys, right, for him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, you don't want to blame the jerseys on a loss, but, you know, if the Jets would have been wearing their green jerseys and the Bills wearing their white jerseys, we would have won that game.
0: Yeah, <laughs> probably.
3: Probably. <laughs> Probably. Um, uh, real quick, before we get to the
1: ATS six, I got, just got a question thrown at me from Twitter, Nick. Uh, another, another trade analysis. What do you think? Um, There's these weird sect of people that have 16 teams, and they have uh, it's a point and a half PPR, Nick, for running backs and tight point and a half PPR for running backs and tight ends, and just regular one one point perception full wide receivers. Uh, but uh, what do you think, Nick? Uh, Latavius Murray for Devontae Adams.
2: And it's a dynasty format, I'm guessing. I I, I think yes. that's pretty fair trade. Uh, you know, Devonte Adams, he hasn't, he's getting the targets, but he hasn't really done a whole lot with them this year in Green Bay. So, yeah, I think it's pretty fair on both sides there.
1: Uh, yeah, and I think another thing to consider too is, uh, you know, Adams has missed a lot of time this year, and maybe that's that's coming into play too. But they are really targeting him a lot now too. Um, And I think we should do a segment next week where we revisit some trades that we talked about. Because I very smartly traded James Jones a few weeks ago. And uh, Adams has certainly come back and kind of taken over his role in that offense. It's been a a slow process, but maybe something that we could revisit uh, next
3: week when we're more prepared.
1: Uh, But let's get to some picks. Chuck, what do you got for us Thursday
3: night? Well this is strange. While you were talking I looked up the spread one more time. Um when I when I picked this game up last night it was uh mi- it was minus three. Uh this morning it was two and a half, so that was what I was gonna report to you, and as I look at the screen it's now changed to uh Jacksonville giving up three points in this game. Mm-hmm.
2: It is
1: Jacksonville. Nick what do you, in Jacksonville, what do you think, Nick?
2: Um Gosh, yeah, that's a tough one. I think I'm going to go with Tennessee to win this one on the road. I think they're just a hair better than Jacksonville right now, and you know they're, 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 the teams are so even that I think they, you know, the records probably are going to end up indicating that the longer the season goes. So I think uh, Tennessee can get a third win to match Jacksonville this week.
1: No division game, field goal, typical, blah blah blah. All right. <laughs> um, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, th- I think Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville's got some decent things going, and where I really respect the Tennessee defense uh, enough to the point where I'm actually using them in a in a, in a league where I start a defense. I think uh, I think uh, Jacksonville got this. I, I like I like it. I think that's I I think it's going to be a push. So I want extra credit if I predict a push, but I will take Jacksonville. Chuck, what do you think?
3: Well, it's not going to be a sweep on Thursday night this time. Um, I am going to take the Tennessee Titans. You guys know that I that I use a lot of fantasy statistics in helping me make uh, make my picks against the spread on a lot of these games. And I was looking up fantasy stats for both teams and one thing that really jumped out at me is that the Jacksonville defense, believe it or not, is uh is in the uh the bottom half or of all the defensive categories against uh you know running backs all the fantasy football categories running backs uh, wide receivers tight ends everything like that uh mm-hmm. Tennessee just strikes me as being the better team in this and when I can when I can uh, get the better team going on the road playing a divisional game plus 3 points I'm going to go ahead and jump on them so let's take the Titans in this one uh
1: good point that's I think it's a very a very close Close one, yeah. Good, good points there. Um, And just for the record, I'm pretty sure I'm one in five picking the last the last few Thursday night games. So, uh, (laughs) let's listen to these guys. Um, Atlanta. (coughs) Good. Well, well, maybe it is a
3: maybe it will be a sweep then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What do you got for us? Atlanta hosting the Colts. Falcons and Colts. Let's see. The Falcons are uh, six point. Let me check it and make sure that we they still are. Falcons are, uh, yeah, six point favorites over the Colts.
0: Uh,
3: I'm going to go with the dog
1: here. Sounds like it's going to be Hasselbeck, and I just like uh, I like the wily, tame vet being able to pick apart. Uh, what is a, 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 de- a better defense? Where. For- uh Atlanta, but I think uh I think Hasselback's gonna f- gonna find the weakness and certainly keep this within six points. I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts come out of there at the fifty, but uh, you're gonna give me six, I'll take it. Nick,
2: what do you think? Yeah, I think I have to go with the Colts too. He's on the road. You know, if it was Andrew Luck playing, I as bad as he's been this year, I think I would go the other way and take Atlanta. Then, I know it sounds strange to say that Hasselback's an upgrade over Andrew Luck, but I think at this point he is, so I mean, and Atlanta just, you know, they started out so hot that they've, they've just been terrible lately. So i got to go with Indianapolis.
3: Well, yeah, this one, you, you know, you look and you try to find, well, this team's good at that and this team's good at that. Uh, you have to look the other way here uh, because Indianapolis beats pretty much only the AFC South. I know they beat the Broncos, but, you know... Um, How good are the Broncos these days? Uh, Atlanta is a good team versus the pass, and they are surprisingly a good, uh, like you said, uh, Josh, a good defensive team. Um, They've lost, like, what, two, three in a row here? Uh, Actually, they lost uh, three of their last four, I believe, but uh, they they aren't playing that well. But I am still going to take – I'm going to take the Falcons in this one just – just because uh, I think they'll shut the Colts down. The Colts don't have much running. They have uh, only passing. The Falcons are good against the pass. So so let's take the Falcons to rebound uh, really well on their home and, and, and get out of that slump. Uh, both teams are coming off a of bye, too. So that's, uh,
0: that should be... Yeah,
3: it's rest, one of those games I've got, I've got... Yeah, I've got no good reason to take the Falcons and probably won't include them in my uh, Chuck's choices this week. So it's not a strong choice. It's just that's the team I'm picking.
2: <laughs> All
3: right.
2: Uh, ooh, you get to go first,
1: Chuck, because your Chicago Bears host the Denver Broncos.
3: What do you got? This game was a pick'em when I looked it up an hour ago. Let's check and make sure it's still a a pick'em. Denver, yeah. Uh so just pick the winner of this game Broncos and the Bears. Um the Denver D on the road has given up 24, 23, 27 points. Maybe not so great on the road. The Chicago defense in the last uh, is, is tied for 14th or 15th versus wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks. Uh the last 3 for the Chicago defense, and two of them have been on the road. They've uh, averaged giving up 17 points per game in scoring. This may surprise you. The, the Bears, in their last three games, have uh, scored 27 points per game, and that includes a couple of good defenses in Minnesota and St. Louis. So, the Bears are not just scoring; they're scoring against uh, against good defensive teams. I know that uh, you know this is one of those things where you know I always like to pick the team that has the new quarterback and Brock, Os- Brock Osweiler is uh, starting for the Broncos for the first time. But you have to remember that John Fox used to be the coach for the Denver Broncos and he knows all about Brock Osweiler, so there's going to be no surprises as far mm-hmm. as the Denver quarterback goes. And on top of everything else, the uh, the Bears are the hot team. The Broncos are not. The Broncos are in disarray after benching Peyton Manning. It is uh it's uh, I I I can't not take the Bears in this one. So, let's take Chicago.
1: Uh I couldn't agree with you more there. We talked about that earlier about Fox being the coach of this team and I think he was the coach of this team when they drafted Osweiler as well. So, I mean, you know, he knows probably he knows him probably better than uh uh, Kubiak does at this point so uh, yeah I, I, I like that there I'll, t- I'll take Chicago too Nick is it a clean sweep
2: uh, yeah make it a clean sweep uh, you know Adam Gase and John Fox really have Jay, Jay Cutler uh, playing maybe the best football he's played in years So yeah, and yeah Brock Osweiler it's just a big unknown so I'll take the guy that I know is playing good right now and Jay Cutler and the Bears over the team that's not playing very well and has a new quarterback Yay.
1: And if anything's going to get Jay Cutler pumped up, it's playing it get a chance to beat his former team, uh, especially when they're down. So, uh, yeah, it is a clean sweep for the Bears. I think we've done that three weeks in a row. Um, Oakland at Detroit.
3: What do you got for us, Chuck? Well, the Raiders, believe it or not, are uh, favorites on the road, favored by two over the, uh, the lowly Lions who – look like world beaters last week.
1: Oh, jeez. I don't like it when they're favorites, but I, I'm going to take it. I just a lot of inconsistencies there, and I I think after two straight losses, those Raiders are going to be motivated. So I'm going to take, take Oakland. Even though they're a road favorite, it's less than a field goal, so I'll, I'll
2: certainly take that. Nick, what do you think? I think Detroit beating Green Bay can chalk that one up to being a weird division game. Uh the Raiders are by far the superior team though. So uh, even i even at a two point uh road favorite I'll still go with the Raiders.
3: That away, Nick. Uh we are gonna make this a sweep. Let me get to my notes on the Raiders here. Um uh, Oakland has, uh, you know, there, there's so much is said about a team from the West Coast coming and playing the early game on the East Coast, but the the Raiders have not been bad in that situation. They won at Cleveland. They played a really close game against the Chicago Bears and lost by two, and they played a great game at Pittsburgh and lost by only three in that game. Uh, the Lions are regressing. One thing we should look out for, is this is the first game that the uh, the Raiders have played indoors this year. So I don't know how they're going to re- react to that, but uh, I don't think it matters. Detroit had all those changes, and they played well for that first game in those changes. I, I don't know what the heck happened with that, and that, that could bring up a whole Green Bay discussion. Um, maybe not so much a, a function of the Lions being good last week as the as the Packers being bad. I don't look for the Raiders to uh, to take this game lightly. They 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 will value every game, especially with the Broncos being being so crappy lately. All these teams think that they can catch the Broncos now, so uh, I I look for a lot of motiv- motivation to be on the uh, the Raiders side, and I'll take them.
1: Juan, well, it just makes sense if you're going to take Chicago to take the Raiders, right? Just
2: keep I it
0: going.
1: So. <laughs> and for some reason, when when you said this, is the first game indoors. For some reason, I just had this weird thought in my head that uh, Sebastian Janikowski is going to break the all-time field goal record. He's going to kick like a sixty-seven yarder
3: or something. Yeah, so and I is. just happened to—I just happened to drop Seabass this week and pick up Matt Bryant. Aww. So you know, of course, you know the uh, Seabass is going to kick a lot of field goals. All
1: right. And wh- what was that? Was that minus two, right?
3: Minus two. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Marking it down. Miami hosting the Dallas Cowboys. It's two straight games in Florida. After what? Twelve straight losses for the Cowboys.
3: What are, what are they at now? Yeah, this is this is icky. Um, let me find it. Falcon. Uh, who are we doing? The Dolphins. See, I have this sheet here from the casino, and it never follows the same order that you give me the games in. So now I got to search for them each time. Okay, Dolphins are a pick'em. Or excuse me, both teams are a pick'em. I guess I guess would be the best <laughs> way to say that, right?
1: Ah, uh, it just just the pick'em, and I'm sure. Does the does the Romo factor make come into this being a pick'em? And like, if he plays, is Dallas going to be a slight favorite? Do you think
3: that? I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's playing in this one. They're 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 planning on him playing. Well, I think I'm going to go with Miami. I don't. I, I
1: don't. know if, if Dallas has has enough to to rally around the family, so to speak. Even if it's we're almost first game back, and just, I mean, I guess it is that division. But does Dallas really think they can still make the playoffs? I mean, they're going to. They basically have to win out. I mean, I suppose an eight and eight team could win that, but that still only leaves a, a margin of victory is one loss. So I, I just don't think that Dallas has it in them. And, in Miami, coming coming off of a a big win like they did against Philadelphia, Are, yeah, yeah, I think I think they they'll have they'll have some some gusto and keep that going. Nick, what do you think? So I, I got I got Miami. I'm
2: gonna go with Miami as well. Uh, you know, if, if this was Romo's, say third game back, I would probably go the other way, but I just. I have a feeling it could be kind of rusty after all this time off, and uh, like you said, you know Dallas is all but eliminated from uh, the playoff race. Whereas Miami still has something to play for. Four and five, they could still turn things around, uh, especially as well as they've been playing under their uh, new interim head coach Dan Campbell. So I'll go with the Dolphins.
3: You know, a lot of times when a team has given up the season then they'll relax and start playing their best football but it, it, it's sad that the Cowboys I think they still think that they have a chance in the NFC East. And um you know, I put a little note down here that says Romo gets re injured because um you know, coming back from a uh, coming back quickly from a, a clavicle injury that uh, that Romo has, it's it it's probably not healed and uh, the Dolphins have a pretty good pass rush. Uh, I'm scared for Romo. And and did you know the, the Dallas defense is 31st against running backs? You may look for uh, Lamar Miller to have a big game here. And
4: um,
3: I'm – I just in my in my mind I can't see any way that Dallas wins this. You know, I, I wish the rest of the team would have picked up the slack. Then I would have had some some hope for Dallas. You know, but but the way they played last week against a subpar Tampa Bay team, it, it, if any time they were going to win a game, that was when they should have won it. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, what reason do I have to pick Dallas? I, I I've got none, and I can't believe. You know, the one thing that one thing that would maybe take Dallas is the fact that this is a that this. Is, it's a pick'em game, and I don't understand why it's a pick'em game. You know, it, it, it seems too easy. So that's when I usually go against it. But I, I've got to go with the Dolphins this week.
1: Okay, and that's another clean sweep,
3: uh, three in a row.
1: Do we can we keep it going as Tampa visits Philadelphia?
3: Buccaneers at the Eagles. The Eagles are favored by five and a half points here. Uh, too many points.
1: I I think if this was a field goal game, I would really be stressing or wanting some kind of kind of hook. But it's you know it's five and a half. I'll I'll, I'll take Tampa. Nick, what do you think?
2: I agree. with yeah, you. it's too many points. I think Philadelphia probably manages to squeak this one out, but I mean five and a half points for a team led by Mark Sanchez. That, that's a lot. And Tampa Bay they played really tough football. Uh, Beaten uh, beaten Dallas last week, so I'll go with the Buccaneers.
3: You know, not many people use this anymore, but I I still like to look, and I and I don't know why, but I still like to look at how teams perform on uh, on the natural turf as opposed to the artificial turf, and and this is a real strange one because Tampa plays on a natural turf field. Of their own, but uh, but the road games that they've won have been on on artificial turf. They beat the Saints. Um, let's see, they lost to the Texans, and Texans have natural turf. They lost to the Redskins, and the Redskins have natural turf. They beat the Falcons, and the Falcons have artificial turf. So I'm going to go with that with that trend, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, and take Philadelphia in this one, and I think. Uh, I think Mark. I believe Mark Sanchez is starting in this one, right? Yep. They got the wounded dog theory going for him. They've got the uh, beckoners being bad on the road on natural turf. I'm going to take the Eagles.
1: Chuck, there is a website for uh, baseball nerds called uh, Ballpark Factors, which is really interesting if you're into the baseball stats and, and obviously that's both, interesting uh, baseball. Stadiums are very different, uh, as opposed to every football stadium where there's regulations and yards and whatnot. But maybe, maybe you know, maybe a little business adventure for you, as you uh, you could maybe do uh, something. Something along that lines. So I would, I would read it. Uh, so, well, I don't
3: know if you guys do. You guys thought. remember back when, when all these teams started putting in artificial turf, and there, and 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 every week you would hear the handicappers talk about this team can't play on artificial turf or this team does, speeds up the game, yada yada yada. And I don't hear anything about that anymore. And, and last week was a classic example when the Saints went to play at, at the Redskins on natural turf, and and the Saints hadn't just don't have a good track record on natural turf away from home. And boy, they got slaughtered, didn't they? Yeah, they certainly
1: did. And uh, you know, we we've had the, I guess the two things that I remember mostly about, uh, mostly about that era, and maybe it's not deep into it, uh, but uh, with. Uh, Obviously, the Rams, the greatest show on turf, and uh, the awful uh, veteran stadium in Philadelphia that claimed uh, many a knee. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So, uh, uh, we're picking games. Oh, yeah. We're done with that one. Sorry.
3: Uh, Carolina
1: hosting the Washington Redskins. Nick gets to
3: go first after Chuck gives us a spread. What do you got? Okay. Panthers are favored by seven. Seems really about
1: right, and I already predicted a push, so I guess I'll go with Carolina. Uh, obviously, uh, they're the better team, and you know some people maybe been riding a little Kirk Cousins on their fantasy team or in daily leagues. This is not the league to continue that, or a week <laughs> to continue that. So uh, sit Cousins and uh, take uh, give, me, give me Carolina minus seven. I feel pretty good about it. Nick, what do you think? Oh, I'm sorry. You were supposed to go first. Damn it. Oh,
2: oh, no, no worries. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Carolina, too. If Washington comes out and plays the way they did last week, then I think they would probably be the favorites to win the NFC East. But I just can't see that happening. I think Carolina's too good right now. Uh, the one thing I will say is I don't believe that is good enough to go undefeated. Now, here's the remaining schedule. Washington, Dallas, New Orleans, Atlanta, the Giants, Atlanta again, and Tampa Bay. So, of those teams, I think Washington and the Giants are the best two chances to beat Carolina. But uh, I just uh, I wouldn't bet on. Okay,
1: Chuck, what do you think?
3: Well, if you look at all of Carolina's wins, their their biggest wins by the by the biggest margins have come on the road. Uh, they won by eleven, fourteen. They won by four at Seattle, but just winning that game was big. And then they won by seventeen. So. On the road, Carolina has been winning by an average of 12 points. At home, on the other hand, the Panthers have won by 7, 5, 11, 3, and 8 points. Averaging, their average victory margin at home is around 6 points. The Redskins are second in the NFC East, and they they have a little taste of that. I mean, the, the NFC East is kind of like the AFC South, right? It's just a, a war of attrition. And Washington is, believe it or not, still in it. Now, to stay undefeated, Carolina just needs to win. They don't need to win by seven points, and that's what they've been doing. They've just been they've been uh, eking out wins at home. Washington is sixth in the league against tight ends, and who is the uh, biggest threat of the Carolina receivers is their tight end mm-hmm. Greg Olson. So. Uh, the uh Washington Redskins are the worst against wide receivers, but uh Carolina's weakest there they got no you know they don't have a whole lot a whole lot of wide receivers so i uh, it's gonna be a great equalizer. I'll look for Washington to stay within the seven points.
1: I was waiting for you to stay back to our cover
3: uh,
1: but uh
3: <laughs> Well, I don't know. It looked like it looks like they could be covering most of the game, and the Panthers pull it out with Cam Newton with a touchdown in the last two minutes or something. That's kind of what I'm envisioning here. So, uh, you know, the Redskins they they've got some confidence, especially you know after uh, Kirk Cousins. You like that rant, and uh, <laughs> they, they've kind of got a they've kind of got a rallying cry going, and I I kind of like the Redskins. I I think they've got something going. They got the mojo. You do like picking the Redskins. I, I noticed that. You like, you like it my, a lot. My, um, my, dad used to, my dad used to tell me, pick the team with the mojo, Chuck. So the Redskins are the team with the mojo here. Uh,
1: unrelated note, I happened to see a construction worker wearing a Washington Redskins uh, hard hat this morning. I thought that was noteworthy for Nick, at least. Um, nice. I didn't take it. I didn't take a picture. I was too busy too busy spending money on at the grocery store. But uh, Baltimore hosting the St. Louis Rams. Do we care about this game?
3: <sighs> hey. Well, somebody does. In uh, in Las Vegas, the Ravens <laughs> are uh, the Ravens are two point favorites here. The Ravens, a team that how many how many games have they won? Uh, two games. Yep. <clears throat> Ravens are favored oh, by two.
1: I really don't care about this game. Do you have an over/under on this game, Chuck?
3: Forty-two and a half, or maybe
1: forty-two and a half. I'm going to say I like the over, and uh, I like the Rams even more. So uh, the Rams are not a very good road team, and I know, Chuck. Chuck likes to play. The Jeff Fisher doesn't care about this game either. Uh, but uh, I think I think the Rams, coming off that brutal loss, is going to be showing showing something here in this one. And this is a certainly a, a an opponent that they can take advantage of. So, uh, sorry, Ravens. Rams Rams are going to get you, yeah, Nick. What do you think?
2: Um, I'm going to go with the other way. I think the Ravens, the way they lost that game last week with uh, the refs basically giving Jacksonville a field goal attempt at the end of the game when they shouldn't have and the game should have been over, I think it's going to leave a bad taste in their mouth. And playing at home, I think they can win this one by a field goal, especially if the Rams with the new quarterback. Uh, you know, if you had told Nick Foles before the season started, hey, your passing, passer rating is going to be better than both Andrew Luck and Hay- 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 Manning, I bet he would have taken that. But it didn't work out too well for him. So I got
3: to go with Baltimore. Okay, a couple of things here. Uh, first of all, you know, O'Conn on you, Josh. I'm uh, sticking with my <clears throat> Jeff Fisher, the eight and eight coach, is now four and five, so they'll they're gonna even out their record this week <laughs> at five and five as they march in gloriously to an eight and eight season. Um, the other factor is the uh like uh, Nick just brought out, the new quarterback, it's the wounded dog theory. We've got the new QB coming in for the Rams, and uh, Baltimore a little bit demoralized. I'm, You know, I'm going the other way on that one. Baltimore is just demoralized after losing that game last week. And uh, they're, they're plus, they're not that good a team. St. Louis can play good football. I don't think Baltimore can. I, I, you know, at this point of the season, they're 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 playing for the number one draft pick now. So uh, let's go ahead and take the Rams and getting points. That's an extra bonus. Yeah, yeah.
1: And the Rams can't. Excuse me. The Ravens cannot get after the quarterback. And when you're starting, because when you're playing versus a young quarterback, you want to be able to put somebody, somebody, get pressure on them. You know, somebody that's inexperienced, like KCM, and. I think he's he's enough of a gunslinger where if you give him time, he's going to pick this team apart. Um, start Kenny Britt
3: if you're holding on to him in a, in a league right this week, too. I think that's a, that's a, a sexy pick that I, I like. It. Yeah, we should also note that the Ravens are 32nd in the league against wide receivers in fantasy points. So uh, Tavon Austin may have a big day.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't know if they have a, a dynamic matchup for him either. That that'll be a – maybe that is not a who cares game.
3: Maybe the Rams will show us something in that one. Uh, The
1: Jets at the Houston Texans.
3: There's a lot of uh, uncertainty about who's going to start a quarterback for the Jets, and I found uh, a a line only at one place uh, where I look, and that was – that's uh, – Gaming computer uh, consolidated game. CG is what it is, and I can't even remember who they said CG is. But nonetheless, it's one and a half. Jets favored by one and a half. Uh, they started out favored by two and a half. They went down to one and a half. So a lot of money coming on the uh, on the Texans here.
1: Well, we don't know who's going to start for them either. It could be Hoyer, it could be TJ Yates. Uh, who's they're actually both comfortable with. Hoyer's going through concussion protocol right now. Um I think Houston certainly wants him to start but um ah, Is the Jets defense gonna wake up in this one? Is Darrell Rivas gonna quiet DeAndre Hopkins? I don't think he's going to. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Houston. I mouth him so much and I don't even feel really good saying what what did you say the line was?
3: Jets by one and a half. So basically a pick em so, game. But, but you're giving me points point you're giving me point
1: with <laughs> Houston's I'll take it uh what do, you, what do you
2: think Nick well you mentioned uh DeAndre Hopkins going to Rivas Island so I think that'll pretty much you know not completely shut him down but he'll have a quiet quieter day than usual so that leaves what uh, Nate Washington and Cecil Shorts is the Texans best offensive weapons Alfred Blue I just don't think they can compete with the the guys that the Jets have. You know, Chris Ivory and uh, Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker. I, I just think the Jets have too much firepower for the, for the Texans to match up with.
3: You know, one thing you can always count on: the thing that travels well is a uh, is a good defense. And the Jets do still have a good defense. And Houston has not that great an offense. Um we talked about you know the the Lions beating the Packers last week was kind of an anomaly. I you know I I don't know I don't know if you guys remember but last week I said that the uh the Bengals would just not be interested in playing that game. I little little that I know they would lose the game, but they they seem totally uninterested. I don't think you can judge I don't think you can look at Houston last week and say, "Wow, they've arrived. They've really got things going here." Uh the the Jets just need the game more. They're really in a battle for a wild card in the in the AFC. I know the Texans think they can they can win. They're, they're just not a good team. I, I'm just going to take the better team, and I think that's the Jets here.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, Kansas City
3: at San Diego. Kansas City. Uh, is a three-point underdog. I guess I'll just say the Chiefs are favored by three points over the Chargers. (laughs) How's that?
1: (laughs) So Kansas City is a road favorite. Um, In a division game, San Diego doesn't seem to beat or have the ability to beat anybody, but they know this Kansas City team. They can can keep this within three. So I'm going to take San Diego. As the home team dog, Nick,
2: what do you think? Uh, I have to go with the Chiefs. I mean, Dontrell Inman and an aging Stevie Johnson, and you know, half injured Antonio Gates. That's pretty much all that Philip Rivers has to work with right now. Uh, I just can't can't buy into that, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs.
3: Well, I always like to take the team that's on a roll with the mojo, and uh, Kansas City certainly does. They've uh, won what three in a row right now, and you know the the Chiefs. I heard an interview with Sarkandrick West today and uh you know he's talking he's talking like the Chiefs can catch Denver and you know believe it or not they can uh, with what people expect out of Denver the rest of the year and how the Chiefs are playing and uh, really really picking it up uh the Chiefs had a couple games they should have won you know the Chiefs should be tied for first in the AFC West right now um should be a high-scoring game. Kansas City is 31st in the league versus wide receivers, and that's about all San Diego has right now. And And the Chargers are decimated um, the, with injuries, the, and mostly on their offensive line. You know, we talk a lot about uh, Antonio Gates and all the receivers, the, the Chargers are losing, but... San Diego is really decimated on the offensive line, and the Chiefs kind of—they're kind of like sharks. I think they smell blood in the water, and they aren't going to—they aren't going to let up. It should be a high-scoring game, and, I, and I'm going to look for Kansas City to win this one over by more than three.
0: Okay,
3: um, Minnesota.
1: Speaking of mojo,
3: uh, ooh, but they get the Green Bay Packers.
1: What do
0: you think, Chuck?
3: Wow, this is a weird one. You know, what's what's weird about this week is there are three pick 'em games. And uh, we can go through, you know, several weeks and not even have one pick 'em game, but this is uh, this is our third pick 'em game of the week Vikings and Packers. Wow. You are just telling
1: me Aaron Rodgers has to win the game. Um yeah, I'll take I'll take that. Uh you know, People, if people want to compare the quarterbacks in this game, it's it's real easy to go Rodgers. but you know, Bridgewater does have the more consistent weapon behind him. Even though this game is in Minnesota, um, it's not really you know it's it's at the Gophers Field at that TCF Bank. It's it's their the temporary home, so I don't necessarily think it's think it's that much of an advantage. And Green Bay Green Bay loves playing outside anyway, and and what have they lost three straight? Yeah, they're gonna get, they're gonna be pissed, and they're gonna have the. In, and I totally respect this Minnesota defense, but uh, they don't want, they don't want this right now. They don't, they're not gonna, they're not gonna get get an Aaron Rodgers away of a victory. I don't think so, Nick. What do you think?
2: Uh, I agree with you, especially with no line. You know, I don't know if uh, Green Bay is going to be as upset with losing three straight as the fact that they just lost to Detroit. I mean, I, <laughs> if that doesn't get you motivated to come out, fired up the next week, I don't know what will. So, yeah, i got to go with the Packers.
3: Yeah, well, you know, the Packers were supposed to have been motivated for their last two games after they lost their first game of the season against Denver. And then, oh boy, they got to be motivated for Carolina. Oh, no. They they lost to Carolina too and you know, well, they should have been motivated last week for sure, for sure, because they've lost two straight road games to tough teams. Now the Lions are coming in and they lose that one. We've got a team that's won 5 in a row against a team that's lost 3 in a row and the team that won five in a row is at home, uh, defenses are about equal, although the Packers, you know, surprisingly have a better defense than uh, than everybody thought. I'm still going to take the team that's, that's winning. I'm going to take the Vikings.
1: Oh, you're going to make a lot of people in Minnesota happy with that, but I just... Ugh. I
3: just don't a lot of people here's the way I look at it a lot of people in in uh in Las Vegas love to bet on the Packers. I mean they'll bet on the Packers no matter what they're doing. Um so they're going to look at this and say, "Wow, the Packers would pick pick 'em. I don't have to give any points and and uh, it's you know the the casinos uh, are not losing money on these uh, on NFL football. <laughs> um if, you know, they, they should have made the Packers about a three-point favorite in this game, and, and too bad the Packers lost to the Lions last week. You know, uh, a lot of people are going to be taking the Packers, and I'm going to be taking the Vikings. So I'm going to do a contrary pick on this one.
1: Okay. So, like the Ravens, they're two-point favorites because they've won two games. Now, Green Bay's should have been field goal favorites, but since they've lost three straight, it's got it down to a pick That's how Vegas works, right, Chuck? <laughs>
3: Well, uh, they normally like <laughs> they you know they had to make this a pick 'em game otherwise everybody would be on the on the Vikings. They they try to put a number up that will get an equal amount of bets on both sides. So, you know, it 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 never In works tight. out like that almost never, but but they want to get the same amount of bets on one side and the other. So, um if you start looking at it like that rather than it's a prediction on how the game's going to end, you know? Because let's face mm-hmm. it, they aren't going to predict this game's going to end in a tie. But they're putting up a number, so they'll get an <laughs> equal number of bets on both sides. So, you know, a lot of people think, oh, Vegas was way off on that one. Well, no, they weren't. They don't try to predict the game. Uh, they try to pr- put up a number where as many people will bet on the home team as the as the visiting team.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Well, let's get to our first double-digit spread of the week. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or do I need energy? Yeah,
3: this <laughs> okay. game, 49ers and Seahawks. I, yeah. um, the Seahawks are favored by 12.5 points. So if you like the Seahawks, you got to give almost two touchdowns.
1: Okay. Jeez, oh, give me Blaine Gabbert and a point. I don't know why, but, you know, whatever, division game, too many points, whatever you want to say. Give me, give me the Gabbert. Nick, what do you think?
2: Yeah, and don't forget, uh, San Francisco's had two weeks to prepare. They were on a bye week last week, so if this was Colin Kaepernick playing, I'd go with Seattle all the way. But Blaine Gabbard is an upgrade over Colin Kaepernick, so I've got to go with the Forty ers to cover the spread, not to win, it, of course.
3: Yeah, I, I think we're uh, we're giving the Seahawks way too much credit. They. They are not that good, and it was interesting last week, the 12th man uh, at halftime, the 12th man was booing the other 11 guys on the field up there, so, so what's going on, Seahawks fans? What are you doing? Um, 49ers, big divisional game. I think Blaine Gabbard has, has put them at least in a space where where they're at least stable, and uh, I. You know, it's hard to take a Seahawks team that doesn't score that many points and give 12.5 to anybody. So uh, I will take the uh, the 49ers and make it uh, our, our sweep of the week, right?
1: Yeah. What? Did, what um, maybe you can continue to look while we do the next
3: game check, but
1: I kept meaning to look. What was the over-under on the Arizona-Seattle game last week? Do you think you can find that? Yeah, because I've got it, was, it
3: right here. Hang on a second. I, I put the Eagles insanity as... Insanity for points scored in that game. I could not believe it. The over-under...
1: Had to be, like, 42 well, or...
3: I said I had 40, it right, right here. and then, Okay, here we go. Over-under <laughs> on Cardinals-Seahawks, 45 points.
1: Oh, was it Cardinals-Seahawks you were I asking
3: about?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I generally hate the over-under between, like, 43 and 48, but... Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people might have went under 45 on that one, and definitely not the case. Not
0: um, all. Yeah.
1: Well, for the third week in a row, Red Rifle's on prime time
3: as they go to Arizona. What do you got for us, Chuck? Cardinals in this game are favored by four and a half points. Then that,
1: that has gone up, right, since the the Monday night debacle?
3: Yeah, let me find that. Let me uh, find the stats for you on that. Cincinnati, Arizona, well, it's now five points. Sorry about that. Cardinals favored by five, so (laughs) it went up uh, in the last hour. Started out, uh, Cardinals were favored by three, went up to three and a half, then four, four and a half, uh, went from three and a half to four in one day, and today it's gone from four and a half to five. So the uh, Cardinals favored by five points now, guys. Okay, sorry. Sorry to go off track, but
1: we had Forty nineers plus twelve and a half, right? Yes. Okay. Uh yeah, I got to take the Bengals in that one. Just it, there's that's way too much of an overreaction, and maybe that gets bought down. But right now, if it's five, I'll take I'll take Cincinnati in this one, Nick. What
2: do you think? Uh, I'm gonna go with Arizona, and it's not really because I'm down on Cincinnati. I think that was more of an aberration last week, but I. I'm that high on Arizona. I think they can win this one by a touchdown. So, go Cardinals.
3: <clears throat> yeah, Arizona's good. Uh, Carson Palmer, you remember, used to play for the Bengals. So, we've got a little incentive there. And uh, remember what's happened to the uh, the last two undefeated teams to finally lose a game. Uh, the Packers finally lost a game when they were undefeated and they've lost three in a row. The Broncos finally lost a game and when they were undefeated and they lo- they lost two in a row. And it looks like they could, lo- if we're right, it looks like they could lose to the Bears this weekend. Um, so don't think that Cincinnati's just going to revert back to form. You know, a lot of times when teams will, lo- you know, get beat for the first time in a season, that it- there's a little hangover effect, um... Don't know if they can if the Cardinals can win by five, but I'm I'm picking the Cardinals to uh, to handle that. So I'm going to go with Nick on this one and take the Cardinals.
1: Okay, oh, should be a good game,
3: uh, at
1: least a little more watchable than that Monday night game was. Uh, ooh, Rex Ryan versus Bill Belichick,
3: Buffalo at New England. What do you think, there, Chuck? Patriots are given seven points. No hook there. Just not six and a half. Not seven and a half. Just uh, right at seven. Oh,
1: wow. Jeez, uh, I I really don't know on this one. Um, I think. I think I, I think I missed not picking pick it against Cleveland this week since they're on a bye, But uh, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, New England. <laughs> Johnny Menzel, full-time starter, blah, blah, blah. Uh, God, it's so hard to pick against New England at home. They they will expose Buffalo. Yeah, why not? New England minus seven. Nick, what do you think?
2: Uh, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, we talk about teams being fired up because of the loss last week. I think the fact that they only won by one point last week is going to get the Patriots fired up enough to come out and really stick it to Buffalo.
3: I think um the Patriots were you know I mean if it's possible for an undefeated team to be embarrassed by a game and I'm not talking about the Giants game last week I'm talking about their first game against Buffalo when they ran out to that big lead and then Buffalo almost came back and beat them that I, uh, I think that rankled the uh, Patriots a little bit now they did nothing but throw the ball in that in that game against the Bills a lot of passing um if Bill Belichick is uh, what he normally is, he'll probably run the ball every every play during this game. I don't know what's going to happen, but I I think the emphasis is going to be on the defense this week. I think the Patriots got a taste of what the Bills can do. And if you give Bill Belichick a look at that uh, at that team for a second time, uh, I'm looking for the uh, Patriots. I wrote a little note here: Patriots shut out Bills? Question mark. Uh The Bills aren't the Bills aren't going to score much. Uh, I'm going to look for the uh, I look for the Patriots to win. Uh, not not so much to roll up the score on them, but I don't think the Bills are going to score very much. So I don't think the Patriots are going to need many points. So let's go ahead and take the Patriots and make it another sweep.
1: Oh, uh, and I guess I guess if they're not scoring you're picking the under too, right?
3: Picking what?
0: Picking oh, the, the under. Yeah.
3: Gonna... Probably well the the over under is way up there. It's forty eight and a half points. And, and i and I think their defense was embarrassed a little bit last week and they were embarrassed by the Bills when they played them the first time and uh looked for a good defensive effort out of the Patriots. So yeah, yeah, the unders would be good too. Okay.
1: I Anybody see that play, the Odell Beckham play that was called back for a touchdown? I, I, I did not see it. Time. I heard about it. Okay. Well, he gets the ball and takes like three steps, and then somebody knocks it out. How is that not a touchdown? When, when a running back can reach his hand and touch the ball, the goal line with the ball and have it knocked out a second later, and that's a touchdown. But, and this guy takes three steps, and that's not a touchdown? I mean, New England should have lost that game or at least maybe goes to overtime or whatnot. I can't remember what the score was, but that was, they got lucky there. And I think, I think they realized that. Did you see that play, Nick? Uh,
2: yeah. That's a big surprise. The NFL has another, uh, another uh, controversial catch last non-catch.
3: Well, I, uh, it it was advantageous to me because the, uh, the the my opponent in fantasy this week had Odell Beckham on their team, so <laughs> couldn't have made me happier there. Although, you know, it uh, it makes me confused on on uh, you know what's a touchdown and what's not a touchdown. I I just think that if you if you control the ball and take two steps, you're in the end zone, and it shouldn't matter what happens after that because because of a ball carrier crossed the goal line and took two steps. And then lost the ball out of bounds, it would be a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, he, does, he doesn't even have to take two steps; all he has to do is break the plane. But what I'm saying, you yeah, know, when, when you put it up against no. him, uh, if a ball carrier should take two steps in the end zone and then and then fall out of bounds and drop the ball, or somebody knock it out of his hand, it's a touchdown. If, if a receiver catches it, controls it, takes two steps and has it knocked out, it's not a touchdown. What what in the wide world of sports is going on here?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the running back doesn't even have to have anything in the end zone but the ball and maybe his hand.
3: But the right. ball is the
1: only thing that matters. So I just, yeah. Come on, Roger Goodell and Dean Landino. Uh Get your heads on. Uh, is that the last game? Yeah. yeah, just to recap. Money, let me recap the, the sweeps for us.
3: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Raiders. Was a sweep. Raiders minus two against the Lions. The Dolphins uh, pick them against the Cowboys. The Bears pick them against the Broncos. The 49ers plus twelve and a half against the Seahawks. And the the Patriots minus seven at home against the Bills. Now there there is a, the Patriots as a double digit favorite are not that good, but as a single digit favorite at home are much better. So uh, I forgot to throw that in also, but we we've all taken the Patriots.
0: Okay. But,
3: and that is all we have for you
1: today this has been the Dynasty Pulse podcast uh, as always big thanks to Chuck our, our voice in Vegas for helping us out um, thank you Chuck and uh, we will talk yeah, to thank you, you guys. Uh, Tuesday next week did, did I tell you we're doing it on Tuesday next week is that going to be a problem I didn't tell you that until now
3: we'll check the schedule and I'll let you know but all it right. should be fine
1: sorry Sorry to put you on the spot like that uh
3: no problem
1: cool. thank you, thank you, Chuck, and have a great week, but Nick, any closing thoughts
2: well, real quick, uh Chuck did mention that washington is thirty first against wide receivers, so uh the rookie devin Punches could be a nice sleeper pick this week uh for Carolina
1: uh and he's seen more targets as the season has progressed and he's doing doing a fine job, so he Gets gets some deep targets too, so not a yeah, not a bad not a bad option there. So we will talk to you Tuesday next week with Luke Grilly. Thank you, folks, and have a great week.
2: I mean, Justin Hunter really try catching thirty passes in a season before you start complaining about roster making
3: Sam <laughs> Bailey didn't get his head around on the play. I think that's the reason he got the yes. There
0: are penalties in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> first. Defense number twenty-four. The ball is placed at the one-yard line.